artificial intelligence has been uh, around for more than 50 years, but it exploded uh, into the consumer sector about a year ago with the rise of generative artificial intelligence. Most schools and colleges are still trying to figure out what happened and what to do about it. Um, One of the national leaders is uh, Colby College. Um, As a result of a large gift more than two years ago, uh, Colby College created the Davis Institute for Artificial Intelligence uh, with the goal of working across the curriculum uh, to introduce young people to the extraordinary power and potential of, uh, of working with artificial intelligence. We are joined uh, today by Dr. Amanda Stent. She's the director of Colby's uh, Davis Institute for Artificial Intelligence. Amanda, welcome. Thank you. And Amanda has uh, been working with Dr. Tanya Mishra. She's the founder and CEO of SureStart. She's in uh, New York City, but they've had a beautiful collaboration that has included, but wasn't limited to, to Colby students. So we, uh, we welcome Tanya as well. Thank you, Tom. Delighted to be here. You both have had really interesting lives and uh, AI and machine learning is not new to you. I, I'd, I'd love to have both of you uh, give us the short version of, of your introduction to and path on um, AI and M- ML. Yeah, sure. So I became interested in AI in high school. I went to high school in a different country and we did the British educational system. And for one of the exams, AI was an optional module. And I fell in love with this idea. I mean, literally fell in love with this idea that you could tell the computer true things and it would tell you more true things. Now, at the time, AI was all about logic. So you, so that was true. Today, you tell the computer true things and it tells you things that may or may not be true. It's a completely different story. Um, but since that time, I've really been fascinated with this idea that we can mimic aspects of human intelligence using computers and that we can model aspects of human intelligence using computers. So after high school, I went to college. Um, I majored in math and music and I minored in CS and French was kind of an accident. And then I went to grad school for AI. And then I was a faculty member at Stony Brook University on Long Island. Uh, after that, I went to industry. I became interested in going to industry. I worked at AT&T Research where I met Tanya, and we collaborated with another researcher, Anne Serdal, on some papers. Then I went to Yahoo Labs and then to Bloomberg, where I was a product manager uh, while at Bloomberg, but always with the intention of eventually going back to an undergraduate-focused institution. So in 2021, Colby contacted me, and they said they were building this institute, and it's an undergraduate-focused institution, and it's in Maine, which is really beautiful. And I really resonated with the mission of the Institute. So I was excited to come to Colby. Amanda, um, I'm a big fan of uh, Bloomberg GPT, which is uh, uh, sector specific. It's it's a a finance um, application of generative AI. Uh, So that's a, a beautiful beautiful experience then um, for you to sort of imagine applications across uh, across the curriculum at, at Colby. Um, Tanya, where and how did you um, 
get interested in AI and ML? Um, so I, I went to a liberal arts school here in the United States um, in Minnesota called St. Mary's University of Minnesota. And I got introduced to AI when as a senior in college, I um, was very lucky to get a National Science Foundation grant to do research. And while I myself was a computer science, like a emerging computer scientist, um, I always thought of it as such a visual field. And back then it was really visual, right? Like if you put a open brace, if you don't close it, then your, um, you know, your code breaks. And so they would use color to help you see that. And um, I would always, we happened to have somebody in our class who had a uh, visual disability and I would, you know, that was really hard for her. And so when I was given the opportunity to work on a project, the project that I chose to work on uh, with the support of my advisors um, was, can we make computing something that is also accessible to somebody who has a uh, vision impairment? And so that means you had to, a lot of things that you can see visually had to be done through sound. And that was how I got um, introduced to AI, uh, we were doing, um, you know, the beginnings of voice synthesis, and more importantly, audio synthesis that was put there to enable somebody who had a, a visual impairment to still be able to see that you had an open brace, so you needed to close it, you know, so it was building a computing environment that um, beginners or people who are new to coding could use, even if they had a visual impairment. That sort of really um, got my interest. So then after finishing my undergrad, I went and got a uh, PhD in computer science, but I went to a school um, that was very interdisciplinary and actually was more known for being um, But after finishing my PhD thesis in 2008, um, I went and worked at at t Research. Um, and that was where I met Amanda. Um, and for that, I was, I'll always be grateful. And we built this amazing relationship at AT&T. After uh, being at AT&T, I went to uh, work as a lead researcher and later head of AI research at a spinoff from MIT Media Lab called Affectiva. Um, Affectiva went through a merger and acquisition in 2020. And that's when I started uh, my company, SureStart. We are an AI education company um, because while I have had fantastic growth, fun, excitement in my life that came from being in the field of AI, I have also uh, repeatedly noticed how siloed it is, how it has, how we have as a community done, um, haven't opened the doors to everyone and everybody and how so many people still now, including yesterday, tell me to do AI, don't you need a PhD? And I say, yes, there are a few things within AI that you do need a PhD for um, that people like Amanda and I um, can do, but most of the things actually don't require a PhD. In fact, most of the things that we do require domain knowledge from other spaces. So we need to create, you know, clear, transparent, successful pathways to bring a lot more people into this field. So that's uh, where SureStart came from. 
Tanya, I wonder if you walk around the streets of New York with a smile on your face, kind of a I told you so smile on your face that you figured out that AI was going to be a big deal 20 years ago. Uh, I, I don't think I, um, you know, more importantly, I honestly did not know where we would land 20 years ago. I didn't know where we would be when I graduated in 2008, because frankly, every person except for a handful told me that how are you going to get a job doing this thing called synthesis and AI? Like, shouldn't you like, shouldn't you just be a programmer? I am a programmer, but I'm a program in this very specific area of synthesis and AI. So it has been a very interesting road and um, where to go from, you know, hardly anybody knows about AI to where people are like, okay, we're hearing about AI, but isn't this something that only professors know and do? And now to where everyone wants to know about AI, including, you know, Octogenarians um, and my family, they're like, hey, what is ChatGPT? You, you know, you know, you're an AI person. We've heard your parents told me, you know, what is ChatGPT? So it has been an amazing journey and one that I did not anticipate. Well, I, I love that you came through the door of accessibility tech and that you, like Dr. Stent, have really devoted yourself to creating on, on ramps for um, for thousands of other people to introduce them to the, the power of AI. Uh, we'll, we'll come back and talk about SureStart in just a minute, but uh, Dr. Stent, what, what's the origin story of uh, the, the Davis Institute? Maybe you could tell us about the, the grant and the, and, and the mission. What, what was the initial intent and, and how has that played out over the last two years? Yeah, so the Davis Institute for AI was made possible by a very generous gift from the Andrew Davis Family Foundation and um, the trustee, Andrew Davis, who is a Colby alumnus. It was a very prescient gift. So it was made in 2021. And I think they saw that AI is becoming useful in many fields, but nobody could have foreseen what happened, you know, last December <laughs> or even last summer. So um, the, the founding principles of the Institute are that everyone, every single one of us is a participant in an increasingly AI-driven socio-technical system. So we see things like DALI or ChatGPT today, but what we don't see is the history of all of us becoming increasingly enmeshed, kind of like the movie, The Matrix, in a system driven by social media recommender systems and recommender systems for shopping and personalized tracking. All of those are also AI. So it's a, it was a long, it was around all of us long before these, these recent um, advancements. So everyone is a participant in the system. Therefore, everyone should be enabled to be an informed and critical consumer to know when and how to participate and make reasonable judgments. And many people will want to become AI tool users or AI tool builders in the context of their own expertise. And we don't believe that you should have to get two degrees, a degree in computer science and a degree in biology or a degree in you know, computer science and a degree in economics in order to be an AI tool user in the context of your own discipline. Furthermore, we think that the best AI tools for biology or economics are probably those built with biologists and economists from the beginning 
and not a technologist coming along and saying, oh, biology, I'll have a tool for you by Monday, because that's not how that works <laughs> at all. And history is littered with many people developing technologies, including AI technologies that don't really serve that field. So that's really how it was founded. We also have a strong focus on the ethical development of AI and a strong focus on really uh, diversifying AI, uh, welcoming people from all backgrounds in and making sure that people from all backgrounds can succeed. Amanda, um, it, it was a, a prescient gift and um, I, I love that you had a, a, a little bit of a running start both uh, personally and, um, and as the director of the center before Gen AI exploded. Um, I'd, I'd love to know um, some of the ways that you're trying to work with the Colby faculty to help uh, incorporate AI and ML um, across the curriculum and perhaps into uh, the, the research that faculty is carrying out. Yeah. So for your research, your listeners who are in tech, um, Davis AI operates as an agile organization. And for your listeners who are in academia, that means that we don't make a five-year plan. Um, we make a plan for the next semester. But we do have five-year goals. One of our five-year goals is that 25% of Colby faculty across 80% of departments will be involved in interdisciplinary AI scholarship or teaching. Another is that 25% of our graduates across 80% of departments will have pursued an AI curricular pathway by the time they graduate. And by and large, the faculty at Colby have been incredibly open and welcoming. We uh, have um, more than 600 student seats in the last academic year for students in courses across the curriculum that involve AI. And we are working with today about 70 Colby faculty, that's 22% across 70% of departments. So we're almost there, two and a half years in on one of our goals. Um, on AI, interdisciplinary AI scholarship and teaching. For example, we're working this fall with a faculty member who has an NSF grant that we collaborated with her on to study botanic volatile organic compounds like isoprene that are emitted by trees in forests. And those are usually healthy, but they may be unhealthy depending what else is in the environment. And the project is, can we use computer vision and machine learning, computer vision from satellite images or drone images, to identify and map the emissions at a very detailed and granular level, more than has been done in the past. We're also working with a faculty member who has a big archive of magazines from about 125 years ago to about 75 years ago, and is interested in looking at culture and language change over that time. They have the text and the pictures, and so we're using, using computer vision and other techniques to help this um, professor of East Asian studies to really do some innovative digital humanities scholarship. That sort of gives you an idea of the range. Um, and then in terms of teaching, we have faculty teaching anthropology courses on AI and inequality. There are faculty teaching philosophy of mind courses, uh, faculty teaching quant methods for economics, which is the biggest major on campus. And then um, Davis AI has developed new courses in computational thinking that's helping first-year students to learn how to program while they also learn a field of AI, such as computer vision or natural language processing. Those are great examples, Amanda. Um, I guess one, one of the challenges we're, we think about at, at Getting Smart is um, um, how to help teachers and 
young people starting in in middle school um, appreciate that every sector today is computational. Um, if you're going to be a biologist, you're going to be a data scientist. If you if you're interested in sociology, you'll be a data scientist. Uh, it, the practice of law, the practice of accounting. Um, all of these fields now are, um, are, are computational. And, and as you said, it's, um, we have to get rid of the old thinking of that you have to do a biology degree and a computer science degree. Um, we need to invent uh, degree pathways that in, incorporate uh, computational sciences. And uh, that's why we so appreciate the, the work of the Davis Institute, because you're I think uh, ahead of the pack at, at helping uh, a university community um, think through that transition. I do have to give a shout out to my colleagues in computer science who have been developing interdisciplinary approaches to computational thinking for the past eight years and have received NSF funding to do that. So there are introduction to programming for visual arts and for natural sciences and for um, uh, simulation. There are multiple different approaches to teaching intro to programming at Colby. Um, and, and so we're really happy to build on that. Tanya and I were talking last week about how maybe AI is turning into a slightly different thing than computer science, as opposed to just a subfield of computer science. And so I hate to say people have to develop computational thinking and AI thinking, but I think depending on exactly what they're doing, they may need elements of both of those. I... I also want to give out uh, a shout out to the the Holleran Lab for entrepreneurship. That's another one of the sponsors of uh, SureStart. And Amanda, I would argue that that entrepreneurship and entrepreneurial mindset may may also be a parallel way of thinking. Um, we we have deep appreciation for the Keen Network of uh, engineering schools around the country that are teaching engineers to spot opportunity, design solutions, and deliver impact and and so I, I think, as you said, you, you need deep content expertise. And, and we'd argue that that's more important than ever, not less, just because you can Google it. Uh, you need computational thinking. Perhaps it's um, AI and computational thinking and an entrepreneurial mindset. And that suite um, is our, our sense of what a, a post-secondary pathway ought to look like. Yes. One of the things that I really love that our new director for that, the Halloran Lab was um, officially opened last week. <laughs> so the, the founding director started in May and agreed to join us on our short start journey. And one of the things that I love that he brought to our students is um, some skills in ethnographic research. So it's one thing for a technologist to be like, ooh, I have an idea. And ooh, I know how to implement this idea. And it's a totally other thing for there to be customers for that idea. <laughs> So teaching people how to have conversations with potential stakeholders and think through the implications of what they're doing and whether people really want it and what concerns people might have about it is a, is a really critical skill for, for entrepreneurs. All right, Tanya, what is your start? Um, when did it start? And, and what does your SureStart partnership look like with Colby? Absolutely. Um, so Sure Start is an AI-focused education startup that empowers future leaders to be with 
accessible AI skills and innovation training programs. And I always think of these skills and technical skills and innovation skills going hand in hand. Our programs cater to students from middle school all the way through college seniors uh, of varied computational pre-skills from none at all all the way to ones that are quite proficient. And while our specific curricula for all these different kinds of students with different computational pre-skills, you know, from a wide variety of demographics, different home lives, uh, different locations, um, while our curricula is can be different and very tailored to what our students need, where it's exactly the same is that it is computational action-based and it has three key components, early exposure to big ideas, learning by doing, and intentional amplification of the new face of AI by creating a platform for these students to not just um, showcase their technical skills through small um, pieces of code or small portfolios, but to be able to showcase big ideas that can change the world. Amanda was my first professional mentor. And when I do big things, I like to do big things with people who are my near peer mentors, people who have walked the path I have walked, but they have taken the next two steps forward. And with Amanda's presence at Colby, um, I was willing to take that next brave step forward and say, how does SureStart's entirely virtual program translate to an in-person program where, um, you know, it is not just, you know, sharing materials with the kids for several few hours a day. It's actually engaging them for 10 weeks at a time. Amanda, what, what would you add about the Sure Start experience? Why, why was it important to make that an offering of the Davis Institute? I think most of the students in our first cohort were rising sophomores. And to be able to get people started early with these skills gives them so much more time to build their AI portfolio and their entrepreneurship portfolio while they have the support of a college or university. So I think that's critical. In fact, one of the Sure Start teams from this summer um, went on in August to compete in the main um, entrepreneurship challenge. And last Friday, they won in the college category. This is three students who are all sophomores, two CS majors, one um, science, technology, and society major, uh, and I'm so excited. I feel like they went to the presentation in their pajamas, but I guess that's what people do these days. Anyway, I'm so excited that they won. And their project is a really relevant project for a lot of people. It's a, it's a personalized AI-driven approach to finding um, uh, scholarship opportunities. And the company is called Scholarsheets. So um, I think both Tania and I and, and Jeremy are, are super excited and proud. And I hope that the other teams from this summer also get the chance to continue to pursue their opportunities. I, I uh, just want to echo something Tanya said, not everyone who develops as AI skills or entrepreneurship skills is going to become a technologist or an entrepreneur. In fact, my experience in industry is that what we need more than anything right now is more AI informed product managers. Absolutely. Um, I'm, I have been so excited about scholarships and of course, all our students build amazing projects. But what really caught me about this project was how it was developed from the pain point of one student and the solution that that, that student took to solve it individually for them. 
But then the use of AI, they were able to generalize and scale it, right? To now be able to share the solution with you know, hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands of people and kind of showcasing the, fen- the best use of AI, empowering others, creating efficiency and democratizing access. This project put the human in the center of AI innovation. So um, I have just been buzzing about it, met with the students last night, and we cannot wait to celebrate them and showcase their successes so that you know the next generation of Sure Start uh, students that come through the program are a little bit braver and they can say, you know, if they did it, so can we. Sure Start is a, a terrific on-ramp for learners. Um, I'm going to give a quick shout out for a couple other summer on-ramp programs that we've run across that we're big fans of. Um, TFA's Reinvention Lab uh, launched a Future Shock summer program. It was built on uh, PlayLab.io, uh, which is a cool sandbox for teachers. They had great success with that and are scaling it um, in in Pittsburgh and now across Pennsylvania, the um, the Penn State Readiness Institute has been running the Mark Cuban AI Boot Camp, um, and they're firing up kids all over um, Pennsylvania. Um, either of you see other programs that you want to give a shout out to? Who, who else is um, in the space creating AI on ramps? Well, I'm a huge fan of, for people who are programmers, and it's in the name, I'm a huge fan of Fast.ai, which is deep learning for coders. And if if I have a student who's an advanced programmer, I send them right there. And I think um, AI for All is another fantastic institute that have, where, um, you know, almost they've been, we've had a long relationship with them and they, their students often join our programs. So it's kind of, they are the pre-step to the programs that Sure Start offers and they do just an amazing job sharing big ideas with their students and building skills. Thanks for adding them. Um, Teach AI, just uh, that's a collaboration of Code.org and ISTE and others just uh, including Digital Promise came out with some great guidance that includes uh, a Teacher 101. Um, we'll include the, all of these in the in the show notes. We we so appreciate your leadership, uh, Tanya and, and Amanda. Um, love what you're doing in Sure Start and uh, across the campus at Colby. Uh, I, I wonder if you could give um, closing words of advice uh, for. For university faculty, maybe uh, high school faculty that are thinking about how and where to get started with AI, what uh, Amanda, what words of advice would you give for people that are uh, just getting started? Developing an understanding of AI is so much more than becoming a programmer. We have faculty and students who are approaching AI from the perspectives of anthropology, sociology, Uh, philosophical ethics and more. And when I hear their insights on AI, sometimes um, their comments about, for example, the culture of AI, damning, um, (laughs) indicting. So there are so many different ways to approach AI and it's such a pervasive topic. There's, There's an infinite number of threads in for you and your students that go beyond just learning to program. 
Thanks, Amanda. I, I do appreciate your focus on ethics. I think we can start that conversation in middle school with young people about the ethics of, uh, of, of human-computer interaction. So, uh, Tanya, what, what would you add to that closing words of advice for faculty just getting started? I would say um, AI is a tool. It was actually built to be a neutral tool. There is a lot of work that needs to be done so that it could it actually continues to be a neutral tool that empowers and enables all of us. But that does require the focus on responsible AI principles so that you know, as we build up these future leaders who are going to build AI, use AI, deploy AI, sell AI, they are doing it with humans at the center of their work so that AI is truly living up to its promise of um, empowering and enabling all of us. Thanks to Dr. Tanya Mishra. She's the CEO of SureStart and Dr. Amanda Stent. She's the director of the Davis Institute at Colby College. Um, we so appreciate your leadership uh, on AI and across the sector. Love that you're creating on-ramps uh, for learners. Um, thanks to everybody for joining us this week. Um, thanks to our producer, Mason Pasha, and the whole Getting Smart team for making this possible. And until next week, keep learning, keep leading, and find a AI on-ramp for yourself this week. See you next week. Thanks for tuning in to the Getting Smart podcast today. We want this podcast to be actionable, insightful, and a great way to learn about what's next in learning. In order to stay on the cutting edge, we need people in the field to tell us what they're hearing, what they're wanting, and what they're needing to learn more about. Got a topic or a guest in mind? Send your recommendations to me, Mason at gettingsmart.com. And if you like what you're hearing, don't forget to leave a review in Apple Podcasts or subscribe wherever you listen. Feel free to share the podcast on social media using the hashtag GSPodcasts. Thanks so much.